Well, isn't the Lord good? Amen. Praise God. Well, I, um, I appreciate our bishop, don't you? Amen. I appreciate our bishop. I appreciate our leader. And uh, I, I, uh, I know he's on the schedule, and I, I told him I want to hear from him. And uh, I just I want, I, I want to honor him. I really do. Um, just, just to back up a story that our brother was just telling about, about change, I remember one of the first revivals I ever preached in the state of Virginia. This was back in 1992. They were in the middle of a debate on whether it was right for a Christian to own a computer or not. Late-night conversations about how carnal it was to have a computer in your home and <laughs> It was just amazing, amazing. Well, everybody stand. Come on. Just stand to your feet right now. And I just want you to stretch. I'm not saying worship the Lord, just stretch. Stretch your arms out. Stretch your legs out. Shake somebody's hand. Tell them they're looking good. Yeah, especially if you're next to your husband or your wife, you better say that. Amen. And I want, to, uh, I want you to give a good round of applause and thanks to the church, Christian Heritage Worship Center, for the great job they have done in hosting this great conference. Amen. From the meals to the media, everything has been tremendously done. And I appreciate all the good stuff and afternoon sessions after meals like that are always tough because you're ready for a nap. I understand that. But uh, I, I appreciate all that you have done as a church. Amen. You can be seated. I, I'm going to be brief in my comments here this afternoon and, uh, and, and just give you really some highlights of what I feel like I was supposed to share with you. And my assignment was to be intentional about the fivefold ministry and how that looks in the church. And I gave you reasons this morning as to why I feel like it is not as intentional as it should be. And I want you to write this in your notes. I, I believe out of everything that we have talked about this weekend, there is one word that really comes to my mind, and the word is focus. Everybody say the word focus. It really is important that you and I as leaders learn to focus on that which is most important. And here's why, because whatever you focus on is going to determine your future. It's going to determine where you go. And that's why with this assignment of the fivefold ministry, it's imperative that you and I focus on the biblical application of this ministry within our church. Because not only will your focus determine your future, your focus is also going to determine your followers as well. It's going to determine who you attract into your church. And I'm 50 years old. I'm not a millennial. So I may not attract many millennials. But it's important that I put people in place that are millennials so that I can attract millennials. 
And it's very, when it, if we want the five-fold ministry to be activated, we've really got to begin to focus on these gifts. So what I'm going to do this afternoon, I, I, I'm going to give you just a brief definition in one word of each of these gifts, as I did with the apostle this morning. I said the apostle is the one that governs. He's the one or she that starts new ministries. They have authority. But the prophet then, he gave some apostles, he gave some prophets. Prophets guide the work of the ministry. Now, the reason I choose the word guide is because God uses the prophet to speak into the ministry. And how many know prophets, when they speak, it can be a little bit uncomfortable. How many know what I'm talking about? Prophets are going to speak black and white. And many times the pastor and the prophet, they don't always get along. (laughs) Because the pastor's got the warm, fuzzy heart that is concerned about relationships, whereas the prophet, they don't care. They don't care if you like them. They don't care if you don't like them. They're going to speak the truth. So as a pastor, what I have to focus on is to create an environment within my church where the truth is spoken in love. How many believe you can be truthful but loving at the same time? And without going too deep into this, there's also boundaries that need to be placed when it comes to the gift of prophecy being exercised within the body of Christ. Because without boundaries, it can go places you don't want it to go. Now, prophets, they guide. The ministry of the evangelist. He gave some apostles. He gave some prophets and some evangelists. The evangelists are the ones that gather. They are the ones that go out. They are the ones that have a heart for the lost. They are the ones that get outside with a communication ability to connect with those outside of the body of Christ. And so therefore, as a pastor, my challenge, if I want the evangelist, the gift of the evangelist to rise within the church that I pastor, I want to create an environment where people are challenged to get out of their pew, challenged to get outside of the church, and realize that we are all responsible for the fulfillment of the Great Commission. How many believe it's for everybody? Let me hear you shout amen. It's for everybody, but there are some that are especially gifted with this uh, ability to evangelize. I'm going to create a culture. The number of evangelists, I do want you to get this, the number of evangelists will increase when the message of evangelism is intentional. And our pastoral staff just, we talked about just this week, about being more intentional about just a good old-fashioned salvation message being preached with good old-fashioned convicting power of the Holy Ghost and altar calls being made. God is still wanting us to evangelize teachers. He said apostles and prophets and evangelists. He said pastors and teachers. Teachers ground. They are the one who holds forth the truth. They're excited by it. 
Prophets, they reveal the heart of God. The teacher is going to reveal the mind of God. So as a pastor, what I want to do is I want to create a culture of people that are hungry. Listen, when you're hungry and you know that your congregation desires truth, it pulls on the teacher to teach doctrinal truth. So teachers will ground while pastors will guard. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Now, again, without going too deep, I want to throw this out at you. Many times we have this misconception that the pastor is the guy that's paid. The pastor is the guy that stands up on Sunday morning. He's on staff. But I believe that God can raise up pastors, even though they're not on salary, he can raise up pastors within the local church. Because a pastor is simply a shepherd. It's somebody that, that guards the sheep, that watches over the flock. And there are so many opportunities for people to pastor within the church, whether it is a small group, whether it is a life group, whether it is a small Bible study. They are guarding that flock. And I believe that as a leader, I want to cultivate a culture where the church is actually concerned about each other. Wouldn't it be nice to have a church where we are actually concerned about the welfare of the body of Christ? So many times, churches are divisive. You walk in, you sense the division, you sense the, the iciness that is between believers, or maybe you're visiting a church and there's not a warmth, there's not a welcome. I believe there needs to be a pastoral, a shepherding environment within the body of Christ. Now, pastors, where does that come from? That comes from you. You are the one. I am the one that sets the environment of the church that I pastor. And so therefore, as a leader, I've got to cultivate a warmth and a genuineness in my life about those that I pastor. And you will be able then to pass that on to the people that are under your ministry. How many know leadership is not taught? Leadership is caught. You can teach principles, but they will follow your influence and they will follow who you are as an individual quicker than what you say. Now, I want you to get this in your notes as well. As a leader, I'm leading on two different fronts. I lead on the visible front, that which people see. That's the platform that I preach from. But I also lead on the invisible front. And the invisible front depends upon the, my moral authority within, my genuineness, my authenticity, my sincerity. And if there's anything that I can tell you as leaders today, and I appreciate what the brother just said, but this generation, they want authenticity when it comes to ministry. They don't want the fake. They don't want the facade. They don't want the fluff. They want authenticity. They want sincerity. And so as if I'm going to develop a pastoral gift within the body of Christ. I want to be an authentic leader. I want to be a leader that connects well with people. I want to be a leader, amen, that comes down to the level of the people that I'm trying to lead. And again, I, I, I pray that none of the pastors in here are like this, but brother, if you're a pastor, you need to smell like your sheep. Not literally. But you as a shepherd... 
need to spend enough time with those that are in your flock that you literally smell like them. You know who they are. You know what they're going through. Create, cultivate that environment within the body of Christ. Now, very practically here, I want to bring some things uh, to you to put your feet on the ground about how do we make this happen. How do we make these five-fold gifts a part of the church that we lead, a part of the church that we pastor? How do we get those in our church to govern, to guide, to gather, to ground, and to guard? I first of all say this, be intentional about educating in the ministry gifts. Be intentional about educating, about teaching, about instructing. What did Hosea say? He said, my people are destroyed for what? Lack of knowledge. I think many people don't know that they might have a pastoral ministry or a gift or a calling simply because they have not yet been instructed about what it looks like from a biblical standpoint. We need to be able to instruct our people, teach our people, listen, that the apostolic gift, the evangelistic gift, the pastoral gift, the teaching gift is still active. Otherwise, they will never know. People are operating out of ignorance. And how many know God, amen, is not glorified by ignorance? Let me see you raise your hand and say amen. Ignorance, God save us from ignorance. God save us from, can I say, stupidity. We need individuals that have been taught because ignorance leads to impotence. If I do not have a knowledge of these gifts, I will not have the power, the potency to operate within these gifts. And so teach on it. Educate your people. Let them know. Second or First Corinthians 12, Paul said, now concerning spiritual gifts, he said, I don't want you to be ignorant. I realize he's talking about the character or the charismatic gifts in this context, but the principle remains the same. We cannot let our people be ignorant. Educate in a way that is relatable, that is understandable. Now, let me ask you this. Do you believe God can call anybody who is willing to be called? Do you believe God can call anybody that is willing to be called? So do not prejudge who you think would fit into a particular gift. Do not push someone into a particular gift simply because you think that they might fit well, their characteristics or their talents or their abilities. Listen, you can't call anybody into ministry. That's the Holy Ghost job, right? How many people have been pushed into ministry that had no business being in ministry whatsoever? Just because daddy was a preacher doesn't mean the son ought to be a preacher. Thank God when it happens, but it doesn't always happen. You've got to understand, this is a divine calling. I, I, I'm always intrigued by, by, by Samuel when he stands and he's ready to anoint the new king of Israel. And he stands before Eliab. What does Samuel say? He said, surely the, Lord, surely the Lord's anointed is before me. This guy has got it all. Man, he's good looking. He's got muscles. He's got charisma. He's got it all. Surely this is the man that God has anointed. And he, as he's ready to pour out the oil, God stops him. And he said, you're looking at the outward appearance. He said, I am looking at the heart. And he went all the way down the line, and the entire lineup of Jesse's boys, Samuel thought, surely these are the guys. But the one guy that God had chosen was not even invited to the party. 
He's sitting on the hillside doing a job that nobody else wants. I've got to be careful that I'm not like Samuel, looking at a young man in my church that is dressed to the hilt, got all the talent, all the ability, all the charisma, and I automatically think in my mind that this is a man that God has called. Let me tell you, God may see something that I don't see, and we've got to let that to the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen? I'm cultivating a culture. Now, that comes uh, through educating. That comes through teaching. That comes through instructing. But not only to educate, be intentional about educating in the ministry gifts, but number two, be intentional about exemplifying the ministry gifts. Be intentional about showing what the gifts in action really look like. Now, I know this is... (laughs) what I would say, ministry 101, but if you want people to have a passion for being involved in the ministry gifts, that passion needs to come from within you because when you get on fire, how many believe people will get that fire lit within them and your passion will catch and the church will become passionate about what you're passionate about? Exemplify. Paul said, let no man despise your youth, but be an example of the believers in word, conversation, charity, spirit, faith, and purity. He said, even so for much, or for as much, 1 Corinthians 14, that you are zealous of spiritual gifts. Seek that you may excel. Pastors, how many want to get better at being a pastor? I believe if I seek excellence in the exercising of my spiritual gift, I am setting the tone for the church that we will live up to a spirit and a standard of excellence. Because guess what? Anybody in this room besides me think that God deserves excellence when it comes to ministry? Everything that we do ought to be done with a spirit of excellence. Everything that we do ought to be done with a spirit, amen, that glorifies God. And so leadership comes when you exemplify the gift, the pastoral gift, the the, the evangelistic gift. Whatever it is that you are operating in, lead by example. Lead with excellence. Be intentional about educating. Be intentional about uh, uh, exemplifying. Be intentional, number three, about empowering in the ministry gifts. I briefly referenced this in the first session as to why ministry gifts are not active within the church, and it's because we have this staff-does-it-all mentality. But a good leader is not a manager. He's not someone that just manages, but a good leader empowers people to get the job done. And when I empower someone, that means I am releasing authority for them to walk in that gift, and I'm not going to stand in the way of God working in their life. Jesus said this, look at this. He said in Matthew chapter 28, he said, all power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. The word power in this text, you know this, is authority. He's saying, the Father has given me all authority to operate within the calling that I have upon this earth. Jesus came to do the will of the Father. And so therefore, as a leader, I've got to be able to empower people to walk in their gifting. I've got to encourage them. I've got to empower them. I've got to let them make decisions. I've even sometimes, now this is tough, I've even got to let them sometimes make mistakes and fall. 
You hear what I'm saying? Many times what we do is we're like, we, we, we're, we're like parents with our kids. We, 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 we never want our kids to make mistakes. But you know what? Sometimes the only way people are going to learn is by making mistakes. And then we come along and we teach them and say, listen, through this, God is teaching you something. We've got to empower them to walk in the calling and the gifting and the anointing that they have, which not only means encourage them, but give them the resources that they need. Give them the authority to do what they need to do. So you educate them. You exemplify you empower them in this gift. You give them the authority. You walk with them. You give them that ability, amen, to walk within the gifting that God's given. And then uh, fourthly, number four, be intentional about the environment of the ministry gifts. To me, this is the most important thing. Create an environment within your church where the Holy Spirit is free to call people into their ministry. Yes, Pastor, Pastor Ron did such a tremendous job this morning about the Holy Spirit moving within our churches. But we've got to understand the only way for these gifts to be able to be intentional within the church is to have an environment that invokes the presence of God. An environment where the Holy Spirit is just allowed through worship and the Word of God to move and people can step forward and they can hear the voice of God and they can respond to what the Holy Ghost is doing. Not one that just invokes the presence of God, but an environment that inspires personal growth. Peter said this, he said, but grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He said, to him be glory both now and forever. Amen. My job as a leader is not to do it all. My job as a leader is to somehow create an environment where people are inspired to grow and reach their God-given potential. My job as a leader is not to tell everybody what to do. My job as a leader is not to give point A, B, C, and D. My job as a leader is to there, be there to guide, but to allow the Holy Ghost to create within them a desire to grow. And as they begin to grow, and I give them the raw materials to grow, I believe we'd be amazed at how people, when they are released to grow, how God will use them in the ministry gifts. But it's all about environment. And so many times churches have such a, such a tight environment. There's such a tightness. There's such a, there's such a limited environment. There's such a, almost an asphyxiating environment where people aren't allowed to breathe. And we, we expect so much out of them, but we don't give them the room to grow. And I believe as a pastor, as a leader, I want to create that environment. So what can I tell you about intentionality? When it comes to ministry gifts, teach them, educate Instruct about them. Empower people to walk in that. Let people believe that they, even though they've got a scarred past, even though they've got a messed up history, they can walk in that calling. Exemplify it. Pastor, you need to preach better tomorrow than you did last Sunday. I mean that. You need to be a better communicator next month than you were last month. I don't care if you've been pastor in 40 years. There's still room to grow. How many believe that? Exemplify excellence in everything that you do. How you speak, how you look, how you present yourself, how you put ministry together. Let God see a spirit of excellence come out of you. Exemplify your gift. Educate, exemplify, empower, and then create the right environment. Create an environment of freedom, create an environment, amen, where the Holy Spirit gives you just that liberty. And I believe as you do that, 
you will begin to see people come to an understanding that they can walk in this calling. And we, as we go back to the text, you will find a church, Ephesians 4, that is Christ-like, that is fully engaged in ministry, that is unified, that is spiritually mature, and that is complete in him because the ministry gifts are in operation within your church. How many have that desire? Can you say amen? Amen. Be intentional. Focus on it. Let it be important. Let it be part of your budget. Let it be part of your sermons. Let it be part of your heart. And as you do this, Brother, I, I really believe the five-fold ministry, and I have been convicted, even as I prayed and for you in this conference and read, I have been convicted about how many times we preach on really subjects that, that really don't even touch the five-fold ministry. It's not a thing of the past. It's for today, right now. It's for today. And I believe it can be your best friend as a leader. Amen. Father, thank you. Holy Spirit, thank you for the men and the women in this congregation right now. Lord, I'm asking that you would touch these leaders. Touch the heart of this pastor right now. Help me to see that there's better things, there's stronger things, there's greater things that are yet to come. And I just pray that my focus would be honed in God, my focus would be like Paul when he said, this one thing I do, God, let me not be scattered, but Lord, let me be intentional when it comes to pastors and evangelists and prophets being raised up within my church that I pastor. And Lord, all of the churches represented here, I just speak, Lord, that there be, Father, a new breed of ministry that begins to rise that fits into this pattern. Thank you for the blueprint. I give you the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody shout amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise right now as our bishop comes. Amen.